and a happy Friday, happy three days before Christmas, and a hearty welcome to episode 33 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I want to thank you all for joining me once again. If you're on my YouTube channel and you haven't already, don't forget to click like, smash that subscriber bell, or if you're joining me for the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the other platforms, if and only if you like the content, please click like and subscribe. So I have already, on its opening day, at a morning matinee, seen The Iron Claw. Story of the Von Erich family, more or less, uh, kind of wrestling royalty, if you will. Uh, the Von Erich clan was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2009. And um, I'm going to try not to get into too much of what would be considered spoiler territory, although the history of the Von Erich family is very easily accessible. So for those who are interested in seeing the movie and only know a little bit, uh, I'm not going to go into anything real heavy as far as, uh, you know, sort of, I want you to be surprised by the film. What I will say is, it is not an uh, inspirational, uplifting sports film. The commercials kind of give you an idea. It could be. That's not this movie. It's a very serious, very sober look at a family of intensely, massively driven individuals who are literally, figuratively, symbolically, philosophically willing to do whatever it takes to get to what they perceive to be the finish line. And um, Zac Efron, kind of an unusual choice to play Kevin Von Erich, uh, but he does a terrific job. He's not given that much to work with. Uh, the real Kevin Von Erich, he's still around. I, I, that's not really a spoiler. Uh, the real Kevin Von Erich was not magic on the mic like other famous wrestlers. Ric Flair, who we meet in this film, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. He was a, a terrific in-ring technician. He had a fantastic physique. He was a great athlete. I mean, all the Von Erichs were great athletes. Um, and so you get, you see his skills, and Efron certainly physically, if anything, he's even more physically imposing than uh, the young Kevin Von Erich. But Kevin Von Erich, he had a great physique, but he had a great physique within normal parameters, whereas Kerry Von Erich, Again, this is not a spoiler, who was a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, famously beat Ric Flair. Uh, I believe the match was in Texas. Kerry uh, Von Erich had that kind of uh, cartoon, massive bodybuilder physique. Kevin Von Erich had closer to a Lex Luger, maybe not quite as big physique, um, or a Paul Orndorff when he was in a more normal kind of looking. But Kevin Von Erich had an awesome physique. Again, we're talking about levels and how do you compare, you know, six foot two twenty to six foot two forty? That kind of thing. But Zach does a good job. He gives us enough of a window into the soul of Kevin Von Erich, uh, essentially a boy who is going to do what his father wants, and the other uh, the other Von Erich brothers, more or less the same thing. And I should point out also that an actor whose career I follow, without knowing all of this. I don't mean it that way, but somebody whose career I followed for more than 35 years, Holt McElhinney, who all the way back in 1987, in a segment called Old Chief Woodenhead, <laughs> in Old Chief Woodenhead, the first segment 
in the anthology horror movie Creepshow 2, uh, based on stories written by Stephen King. And uh, George Romero was involved in the screenplay. That's the guy who did the original Night of the Living Dead, Forerunner 2, all of the zombie stuff that we see. Uh, Holt McElhaney plays the villain in segment number one, a man by the name of Sam White. And you can't always tell when you look at somebody you know, who has had a successful career, even in the realm of character actors, as Holt McElhaney would be considered a character actor. He's on the show Mindhunters. He's done a, a ton of really quality stuff. He was in Wrath of Man. He had a big role in Jason Statham. He's a guy who always made an impression. And in Creepshow 2, I love George Kennedy. You know, Dorothy Lamore, she's great. You remember him. And watching him in this movie, literally 36 plus years later, as Fritz von Erich, the patriarch of the von Erich clan, he has a kind of resolute, a steadfast way about him. He showed it in Creepshow 2, and you can say that's the character, but it's the way that he comes across and how he delivers his lines and the look in his eyes. And his character in Creepshow 2 is horrendous. The guy in this movie is iron-willed, not always in a good way, and doesn't really see things the way that maybe we would want him to. Very, very much like this or this, as opposed to kind of shades of gray. But McElhaney also is not given a ton to work with. His character is very, what I would refer to as one note. He has a plan for the boys, and come hell or high water, he's going to do what he can as the father, as a trainer, as a person, you know, helping to run world-class championship wrestling to try to expand the careers of all the Von Erich boys. He's fantastic. Don't think that he's going to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination because there's not enough of the character in turn. He's certainly in enough of the movie, but you don't really get a sense of any kind of growth of Fritz Von Erich, and that's, it's not even a matter of that's the point. It's, yes, how he really was that he was not somebody who had this kind of arc the way Kevin Von Erich does. And Zach is not going to get nominated for Best Actor. Even the physical transformation, tremendous. And he almost doesn't even look like Zach Efron. The way that he has the hair and sort of puffed up, bulked up, he looks tremendous. Um, this is a movie where the actors are great, but it's not an actor's movie. Jeremy Allen White, who I'm not that familiar with, I know he's on the TV show The Bear. He plays Kerry Von Erich. He's really, really good. And the actors who play David and Mike Von Erich are also terrific. They're both unknowns. Maura Tierney as the wife. What, what they did with her character I liked is they resisted the urge to make her the long-suffering wife. Fritz Von Erich is the kind of person, but they love each other. And I'm, again, that's not really a spoiler. This is not a, oh my God, this is a dysfunctional marriage. He's an abuser. She's got to get out. This is not that movie. She's very strong in her way, a woman of faith. And um, yeah, it, it, it's strange though, because normally when you talk about it and you think of a movie being an actor's movie, you would assume it's an actor's movie as far as performances and story arcs and all of that. But with the exception of Kevin Von Erich, it's really not that much of that. But I grew up a wrestling fan. Um, I. See, back in the day, we didn't have the options like today where you could follow any one of a number of different federations or organizations or extreme championship wrestling, WWE. You know, when I was growing up, you had what was the WWF, then as now, or I shouldn't say then as now, but it was headed by Vince McMahon, 
not senior, but, you know, Mr. McMahon, but before that whole shtick with, you know, the fact that he was like a heel. And there was the NWA and the AWA. And then there were offshoots that occasionally, if we were lucky with the cable vision that we had on Long Island, or in, on Long Island in New York, uh, you would occasionally get to see some other areas like Mid-South Championship Wrestling, and there was overlap with that with the NWA. Me growing up, Hulk Hogan, WWF champion brother, the prayers, the vitamins. Hulk Hogan, Terry Jean Bollea. The AWA champion was Rick Martel, who later moved to the WWF as the model. He was kind of an Abercrombie and Fitch looking guy, but technically a very proficient. Like Rick Martel's jacked, but he was a phenomenal athlete. And like he was a guy who went really far in the business, not just on books or on the fact that he was huge, but he was very proficient in the ring. And the NWA, the championship way back then, bounced back and forth between Ric Flair, Harley Race, um, you know, Dusty Rhodes in there briefly, Kerry Von Erich, one time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So I grew up watching wrestling, mostly WWF. The days of you know, Jesse Ventura, long before he became governor of Minnesota, when he had some health problems, Jesse. And he was magic on the mic. Another guy who was incredible in front of a microphone. Huge fan of his. It, wrestling, he was just okay. But as an announcer, as a personality, amazing. You know, one of the all-time great Jesse Ventura things. You know, he had this feud even back then with Hulk Hogan. They wrestled each other a number of times. And when he announced Hogan's matches, he would always, like, troll him and drag him. And Hogan had this thing that all kids of the 80s, even people maybe watch Hogan on YouTube to see some of his his greatest stuff from the 80s, that he would come to the ring and he had this t-shirt that was kind of pre-torn so he could easily pull it off. And every match that Jesse Ventura announced with Hulk Hogan, when Hogan would do the thing, Jesse would always say, boy, he's tough. He could tear a t-shirt. It never did not make me laugh. He's tough. He could tear a t-shirt. So my experience with the Von Erichs, I never watched any of their matches because uh, TBS back in the day, you know, Ted Turner still exists, they had NWA uh, World Championship Wrestling on pretty much every Saturday night. And it was an entertaining show, but it was more of a, it wasn't really a house show because when, when I, my understanding of house show is where there are no cameras and really anything can happen. You can't do that now because people are bored. But back in the day, you could have, for example, Hulk Hogan and Jesse Ventura wrestle 15 times using the exact same script in 15 venues across the country. If they were house shows, they could do the exact same thing. Nobody's recording it. Doesn't matter. Title's not going to change hands, right? If there's no camera here to record it, that's not going to be very good TV. So there, there is that. The NWA Championship Wrestling that aired on Saturday nights, uh, hosted the guys like Gordon Soley, a very young Tony Schiavone, and it had a crowd of, I, they used to joke around, it was like 15 people in attendance. It was a very, very small crowd, and Ric Flair would come out and do a promo, this is what's going on in professional wrestling. I'm having a hard time keeping these alligators down. Dusty Rhodes would come out, he'd do his promo, we're talking hard times, daddy. I'm going to hit you with the bionic elbow. Punk. The wrestling sucked on those shows because it was mostly the Ric Flairs, 
doing his promos and promoting different events, promoting Starcade, promoting the Great American Bash. You, know, you wanted to see something terrific. You wanted to see Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes on that program. You wanted to see Nikita Koloff against Ric Flair. But no, you had to buy an early era pay-per-view. And those, that show was fun. You know, Ric Flair goofing on Tony Schiavone. Tell your wife I say hi, Tony Schiavone. All of that shit was, was fucking classic. But I knew the Von Erichs, they did not appear on that show. They were not in the WWF. Kerry Von Erich didn't get to the WWF till later, as this movie goes into. So all I knew of the Von Erichs is what I read. And there was this concept, this idea that the family was cursed. Even in the mid-'80s, um, there were just issues. Uh, and you know, David Von Erich, as we see in the film, without any spoilers, had major health issues. Mike Von Erich had a terrible uh, shoulder injury and then uh, complications during surgery. But I didn't know, I didn't get to actually see them wrestle. And this is a bit of a generational issue for Gen Xers, where we had to kind of catch up on everything. Kind of like people now who didn't remember when Hulk Hogan was in his prime or that Hulk, I mean, Hulk Hogan was a baby face for all those. Yeah, he was, you know, thanks to the movie Rocky three that got him visibility. And the next thing you knew, he was WWF champion. But I knew that um, the Von Erich family had some, some real terrible shit. But as a kid, there were so many different works in wrestling. I didn't know what was true and what wasn't true. I remember people telling me that, you know, quick draw, Rick McGraw died, but then people are saying, he didn't die. That's not true. So when I would read these terrible stories about the Von Erichs, and like, for example, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which I subscribed to as, you know, as a 10, 11-year-old kid, I didn't actually think it was true. I said, this is, this is bullshit. There's no way that this is right. Why would he die? Die of what? Like, so I was very skeptical. Nowadays, there's a lot of stuff, but... If, if they're not going to do a story where somebody died. But they did have that thing where Ric Flair supposedly had a heart attack. He didn't have a heart attack. Like, come on. But it was believable. It was a work. It was a bit, an extended bit. So I didn't actually get to see the Von Erichs wrestling. And this movie, it goes into the wrestling, but the wrestling is a vehicle for the story about this family. And... The movie works. It's very, very good. I recommend seeing it, of course. Um, but be, as I said, be prepared. It's not an inspirational underdog. This is not Rudy. This is not the natural. This isn't even Rounders. Um, it's not Miracle. This is a very gritty, well shot and staged, and they use some kind of an interesting hue, almost like a vintage hue uh, on the cameras to you know, kind of further set the time period. Of course, it, you know, it's easy enough to have cars and all of that, but the movie really feels like it could have been made, you know, decades ago. So the kind of tragic aspect of the narrative kind of it creeps up on slowly. And of course, if there was no tragedy, if there's no um, misery, there's no drama. You know, and we've certainly seen films like The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke now, a movie almost 15 years old, terrific film. Um, well, Mickey's character had, you know, been in the big time, and then he was kind of uh, wrestling at the lower venues, if you will, down to work through high schools. And that is that is a part of the business that um, 
the Von Erichs didn't really, like that didn't happen even to Kevin Von Erich, but he was able to go at a certain point and he was able to just more become a businessman when he reached, you know, he reached a certain moment in time in his career where he had just had enough, he didn't need to do it anymore. But, um, you know, there are a lot of things in the film, at the very beginning it says, inspired by a true story. And, yeah, I start calculating, okay, that means that they took enough liberties where they can't say based on a true story. As with you know, one of the podcasts I did on the movie Man on the Moon about uh, Andy Kaufman and Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman and Tony Clifton. Uh, when you're making a dramatic film, not a documentary, not even a docudrama, you are going to take certain liberties. You're going to sometimes leave out people entirely if they don't fit the narrative that you're portraying, and you're going to go in a different direction. This movie feels real, even though a lot of stuff that happens in the film didn't happen in the sequence that the movie portrays, or it, it happened out of order, what happened. But as a wrestling fan, I very much enjoyed the references that are dropped and the people that I had heard of um, this is not a spoiler. There's a moment in the film where Kerry Von Erich, the Jeremy Allen White character, and the real Kerry Von Erich, again, a bit of a tragic figure, um, he moved to the WWF or WWE. Now it's called. They didn't really know what to do with him. He wasn't, he wasn't as good on the mic as some of the other legends because physically he had to look and he had, he had tools, but he was not magic on the mic. You look at Randy Savage. Like I don't even know. I, I don't even know what Randy Savage was saying half the time. He was just doing his own. Yes, still that cookie, Elizabeth. No idea what he was saying, but he was ripping. There's a moment in this movie where Kerry Von Erich comes home after uh, a successful. He, he wins the WWF WWE Intercontinental Championship, and he comes home and. Colt McElhinney as Fritz von Erich is congratulating him, and he just randomly throws something out there. He goes, I see they're pushing Hellwig, your old training partner, to become champ. Now, the average person has no idea who Hellwig is, what this has to do with anything. But I know that Hellwig, the ultimate warrior, that's who he's referring to. The ultimate warrior never went by James Hellwig, as Kerry von Erich went by Kerry von Erich, he went by, well, first he was the dingo warrior, and then he was the ultimate warrior. And so little moments like that are sprinkled throughout the film. And it, it's almost like um, catnip for people like me who, even if we didn't get to watch the famous matches of the 80s that the Von Erichs were involved in, we know about them. So there's a big scene towards the beginning where Kevin Von Erich um, is in a tag team match with David Von Erich in, in Texas, against Gino Hernandez and Bruiser Brody. Now, Bruiser Brody is like one of the all-time great pro wrestlers ever. He was a guy who didn't necessarily, like, sometimes hurt people, you know, where he didn't mean to, or maybe he did. He had some feuds, and he died under very suspicious circumstances. But he was one of the best to ever do it. He was a huge man in great shape, always fit for such a big man, and technically very, very proficient. But Gino Hernandez, the real Gino Hernandez, feuded with the Von Erichs. And he had a, a training partner named Chris Adams, gentleman Chris Adams. And there was this horrendous feud. They don't really get into that. In the movie. They get into the feud with the fabulous Freebirds. By the way, 
the actors they picked to play Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and I think it was the other guy, Buddy Rogers, I'm not sure about the third guy. Uh, amazing. They looked so much like the real guys. I mean, I thought I was looking at the real Michael Hayes. That's how much the actor who played Michael Hayes, one of the fabulous Freebirds, looked like. But the Gino Hernandez stuff, the real Gino Hernandez, uh, I believe, died tragically of cocaine overdose. Even that, I remember as a kid reading about that saying, that didn't happen. This is all fake. Now, I loved it, but I didn't believe anything when it came to wrestlers. It, it, this could all just, this is just all nonsense. Um, but yeah, Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, actually, a little bit of random wrestling trivia. Uh, Chris Adams was one of the first guys to do the move, which is commonly called the super kick, or sweet chin music, if you prefer. The heartbreak kid, right? Sweet chin music. Chris Adams did it first. He did it in the mid-80s. Um, and even back then, again, I understand it's performative and all of that, but there were a lot of people saying, they should, this shouldn't be allowed. And ultimately, a kick like that is what, sadly, is pretty much the end of Bret Hart, one of the all-timers. Also, the excellence of execution, Bret the Hitman Hart, best there ever was, best there is now, best there ever will be. A misplaced kick pretty much ended his career. So in this movie, we do know that wrestling is fake, but it's not really as fake. Yeah, they go over the mat, they, you know, before the match, this, and, and I'll throw you the turnbuckle, and then I'm going to give you time to get your body position. They, we see that. We see that. But we also see people get injured in the film. And then, as I say, there are these moments in real life where, you know, Bill Goldberg fucked up his mark, and that's why he hit Bret Hart. He wasn't supposed to hit him. And Ultimate Warrior was famous for, you know, screwing up in matches and, and actually injuring his opponents. You know, Sid Vicious famously got injured. Shit happened, right? That's just part of the business. And this big scene, there's a big scene early in the film where Kevin Von Erich, Zach Efron, goes over the top rope. He's not expecting to be flipped over the top rope. And he actually gets injured. And the match is not supposed to end with him outside the ring. He barely makes it back in. And he's fucked up. He's legitimately fucked up. He injures his ribs pretty badly. And... Um, if I were watching that as a kid or even as an adult, I would assume he's not really hurt. This is just part of the act. It's performative. They're all performance arts. But this movie definitely, it adds, it adds to the mystique of professional wrestling. And, you know, Kevin Von Erich, maybe because he wasn't spectacular on the mic, his career didn't go to that Ric Flair, you know, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, et cetera, et cetera, all of these guys, it didn't go to that level. Maybe in part because he wasn't magic on the mic. There's a fantastic scene early in the film. Uh, it's actually from that, that match, the Gino Hernandez Bruiser Brody, where after the match, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, it was the Harley Race match, where Kevin Von Erich starts to basically fall out of Harley Race. And he's not, he's not getting across that well. And David Von Erich takes the mic, and he's magic. And there were people that thought that David Von Erich was going to be the, you know, or could be the biggest star of the Von Erichs. In part, yes, he had the look. He didn't have the, you know, necessarily the physique of Kevin or Kerry, but he, he was magic on the mic. And it is a huge part. It's not something when you're a kid who's just watching wrestling, you're not like, oh, this guy is going to be a big star. They're going to put this guy over for a title belt because he's so damn good on the microphone. You know, Macho Man Randy, ooh, yeah. It's a huge part of it. And 
It's not that I didn't know it, but this movie really, without beating you over the head with it, you see it. You see it throughout. And when we meet Ric Flair and he's doing his shtick about the Rolex wearing, you know, he, he gets to do it, the actor who played it was a riot. Um, but the movie has gotten terrific reviews, and I recommend you see it. The only caveat being, it's not a fun time at the movies. This is a sober and serious look at a family that has a lot of issues, some of which are beyond their control. But it's worth seeing for the performances. Just be prepared that it's not going to be a, a grand old time at the movies. It's serious. And um, look, I, I hope that somebody gets nominated for something for this movie. I mean, the cinematography is good enough where it's probably going to be in contention for that award. I don't think even with 10 Best Picture nominees, I'm not seeing it get, getting nominated for Best Picture this year. Um, and if it's like five nominees for Best Actor, Zach's not going to get nominated. And I don't think Jeremy Allen White registers strong enough because he, he would be the supporting guy as Kerry Von Erich. I don't think it's going to happen for him. And because there's no real character arc to Fritz Von Erich, I love Holt McElhaney's performance. Man, he fucking nails him. He's so good in this movie. I don't think he's going to be nominated. He would be like a dark horse for supporting actor because he is in a huge amount of this movie. I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, we'll see. Anyway, with that, you know a little bit about me, the fact that I used to watch wrestling every Saturday morning and I used to scour the old cable guide seeing when wrestling was going to be on. I, I watched it whenever it was on. NWA, AWA, WWF didn't matter. And it also didn't matter that most of the, most of the shows were crap. It was just baby faces versus jobbers or heels versus jobbers. We already knew who was going to win the match before it started. But, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's how it goes in professional wrestling, brother. So we have reached the end of episode 33 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I had a really good time recounting my experiences seeing this movie. I hope that I got at least some of you wanting to see the movie, because as I said, it's a terrific film, well worth seeing. And um, if you join me this evening for the YouTube version of the podcast and haven't already, please click like, smash that subscriber bell. Or if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Amazon Music, please click like and subscribe. I will be back with episode 34 real, real soon. Iron Claw. Take care.